welcome to Set Klimasnack, or also known as Set Climate Talks, the Centre for Climate and Energy Transformation podcast. I'm Jude Dalsko, and this is our fourth episode and our first English-speaking episode, and we're really excited to open this podcast up for a whole new audience. What is education for? How can teaching and education help us meet the challenges of the 21st century? And how can we rework higher education to equip the next generation with the tools and skills they need for a sustainable future? These are the questions we often ask ourselves at SET, and it's also been a topic of conversation at the recent SDG Bergen conference here at the university. Today with me in the studio is Jesse Schrager. He is a PhD fellow at SET. Welcome. Thanks. Hello, Jude. Thanks for joining me. You're now working on carbon budgets, another conversation we can have another day on another podcast. But you have a background from a really interesting place, a uh, university in Uppsala, who has the CMAS program, a centre that is at the forefront of student-led education. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, right. Um, so it's a centre based at Uppsala University, at the, at the Centre for Sustainable Development. Um, and the centre was born in the 90s, out, um, out of a student initiative, but also out of the need to expand the range of approaches, um, understanding, knowledge, uh, to, to better understand sustainability issues and the challenges of, of today. And what's interesting about this centre is that it hires students for the preparation, the running, the examination of the courses. So what is unique is that those, um, those courses are, are credit courses so that um, any student can actually take them and also just like any other course actually gain credits. So what's interesting is that those courses not only explore sustainability um, problems and challenges of today, and we have about 25 courses now at, uh, at CMS, but what's also interesting is the range of pedagogies used to actually explore those things. So we have seen um, a, a great diversification of the, uh, I guess, in-class practices, you would say. So it's going beyond the simple teacher at the front, students sitting really passively, mm. to a lot more engagement from the, class, from, from the classroom, from the students to engage um, during the classes, but also prior to the classes. So that's been quite, uh, it's, or it is a quite unique center in that sense, mm. um, yes. And how do you feel like your experience there has, you took your master's and you also worked there as part of the, the team, but uh, how, how has that shaped you as a, as a researcher as you go into your um, PhD? Yeah, I think um, we had some, some discussions about this back, uh, back at CMS before I came here. And, and I think a term that really helped us maybe anchor how we felt was this, uh, this idea of being undisciplined. Undisciplined bo- both in terms of the, the research approaches that we play with at CMS. And so sustainability being a messy issue, being or cutting across multiple disciplines, therefore also needs those disciplines to try to articulate some kind of answer or solution to those problems. And so from a research, now that I'm a researcher, I think I, I find myself being able to jump across disciplines very well and to borrow the language from, from each one of them, you could say. But I'm also struggling to then anchor, you know, my research methods, my tools, my, 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 my ontologies, as you would say, from individual disciplines. Uh, but I think that's also a call to, in that sense, diversify our toolbox as researchers. 
and uh, to to better understand and and to better articulate solutions to to, uh, to those issues. Mm. And so, education for st- sustainable development is an area that really interests you. Yes, definitely. I um, I've been writing my bachelor and my master thesis on that, and then I worked at Simmers for a long time. And I think the the pool for me to work with education. Um, is because it's a, it's a space where we can discuss um, issues, but it's also a space where we can um, maybe f- find, find ways of addressing them together. And in that, it's a space where we can strengthen our skills, our competences to address sustainability issues today. So I, um, I, really, I really think it's, a, it's, one of the, it's, it's one of the most important tools we have as, as, a, as a society today to think around those issues better. Very interesting. I, and a reason why I also got you in the studio today is because a couple of months ago you were visiting a university in, in, in Germany and, and you say yourself that you use this podcast as an excuse to talk to someone, a pr- professor that you really admire in this field. Yes. Um, so his name is Matthias Barth. He's Professor of Education for Sustainable Development at Lefana University. Um, uh, that's in the north of Germany in a small village called Lüneburg. Um, and what is unique uh, about this professor, I guess, or about the, maybe the environment he's in, is that um, amongst with colleagues, they have really been digging into what contributes to, um, I guess, good education, uh, good learning for sustainable development. And so for, for quite a long time already, they have been asking themselves the questions, what skills, what competences, what kind of thinking can we support in a classroom to then, you know, strengthen the capacity of students to then go out and face the world? And, and, and it's a world that's changing increasingly fast. And so that also, that therefore needs a different range of um, abilities than before. Okay. So my name is Matthias Barth and at Leuphana I'm, amongst many things, I am professor <laughs> of education for sustainable development. Yeah. That's what me brought, what brought me here. For me, the question is, what are these um, competencies we are looking for? Mm-hmm. What do people need to have the ability to participate in an active way in the design of their future and the future of others? Mm-hmm. So there would be a broad understanding of these competences. So it's not... Competence is often misunderstood like more more on a skill level. So what what need I what is it I need to be able to do to fulfill certain tasks? Mm-hmm. And our competency approach really is a, a different perspective on what set of um, abilities do I need to um, be able to actively participate in decisions in the future where I do not exactly know what the specific context is. Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's broader sort of abilities like a system thinking, future thinking, so very you know, broader concepts of competencies um, that will help you in very different contexts. Yeah. And I was always interested in what is sort of the core of these competencies that are needed uh, when we work with such a messy concept as sustainable development where we do not have the one future direction or the one development path we want to follow but we have an openness and and and, and some you know some uncertainty and 
we do not exactly know what the solution really is. Yeah, and the other thing really for me is then um, how can we support the development of these competences? And in that there is already some specifics because it's not about how can we educate these competencies or how can we convey them or how we can train them, but how can we support the development? That sort of already is a paradigm shift. Yes, in different ways. Because I imagine in this way of, of thinking about it, you, you would also you would look both at the curriculum and the way it's made, as well as some of the classroom settings. Mm-hmm. That are that are provided by the teacher in that sense, for example. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess you would you would look at both the the, the pedagogy as well as the the content. Right, and yeah, you already pre- introduced two other aspects which I would frame as the micro and macro level. Okay. So we are looking on the micro level of teaching and learning settings, mm-hmm. and there it is about content, and it is about pedagogies. Mm-hmm. And I would always say we, 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 we see that as sort of a, a threefold approach where we talk about competences as the learning objectives, which can only be um, uh, um, developed when you engage with certain content. So you need to select content that makes sense to, you know, to, to develop these competences and framed by um, pedagogies that help to support that learning process. But this is the micro level of what is happening in a, in a, in a teaching learning environment. And I, I did quite some research on that and I'm, I'm very much interested in how that can happen, both in formal settings, like in high school or school, but also in informal settings, because learning does not only happen and competence development does not only happen from eight to one or in schooling, but it happens all the time. Yeah. But I'm also interested on the macro level of um, the curriculum. This is how we how we design sort of the frameworks where such competence development can happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in how do we implement the idea of ESD and competence development in the school curriculum where we do not have a subject of ESD and where, by the way, I would not even want to have a subject ESD. Mm-hmm but we want to implement that. And I look into how can this implemented in, in higher education curricula. And we are looking for what are the different patterns and types of implementation and what happens if we implement in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And I guess from a purely research perspective, there, it might be difficult for, um, uh, for you, I imagine, looking into a classroom setting and trying to separate what is happening inside the classroom with what's happening outside of the classroom. You could look at a specific amount of time, let's say for one semester, um, compare how people feel regarding specific issues or can measure certain competences before and after, but then how can you say that actually the competences were, were linked to the specific content or pedagogies used in the course or is it linked to the fact that they started a new sport outside of classes, which also, let's say, developed their team-building abilities. Exactly, and, and I mean, we, we, we do see exactly these sort of things happen. I mean, I can have a, I can think of myself as a brilliant lecturer who really, you know, introducing new ideas, and then I see that it really makes click with this one student, and I can be very proud of myself or I can be a bit more honest and can realize that he traveled to India two months ago and this made it really click. And now 
it is nice to hear similar things from my side, but that didn't really make the difference. So this is important and we need to look into that. But I think, you know, we, we do have research settings where we sort of can at least start to better understand that and we can control that on a certain level. And like in a recent research project, which is uh, named Educating Future Change Agents, we do exactly this and we try to triangulate these different perspectives of the micro and macro level. So we do look into specific um, uh, seminars and we do pre-post testing of competence development, but we always also combine that with um, a qualitative study of the learning process. Mm -hmm. So we want to see what is happening you know, before and after and if there is an, hopefully an increase in certain competences, right. but we also want to understand what makes this increase. And this is what we do with a qualitative study. And there we control not only for what is happening in the classroom and better understand what are sort of the, the, the specific situations that are important for learning processes and when does reflection happening because you kind of always narrow it down to a certain situation. It's always or it's often that thinking about that situation that makes something changing, you know, in your perspective. But we also control for what is happening outside the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so on a, I, would, I would assume that on a, on a cohort level, you know, we can say something about the increase that is caused by a certain seminar by now. So we do have data on that. But that's not so much on the individual level. Mm -hmm. you know, individually, the increase or not increase can be very different. And this will be heavily influenced by individual experience as well. Maybe there is no increase at all because that student went through a dramatic breakup and had completely, you know, different things to think about. Yeah, and, and this is okay. But if you, if you, you know, do not look into the individual perspective that much anymore, but you, you bring that together on more of a cohort level of 50, 80 students, then this will be leveled out. Uh, and on average, we can say something about what is happening in the classroom. Mm -hmm. you know? To really fully understand what is happening, we need also that qualitative perspective. Yeah. And I'm very much coming from a, from a qualitative researcher paradigm. So I'm always, you know, I'm very much interested in the how. You know? I'm also interested in the what. So what sort of effect do we see? But I want to understand then how this is happening. And I think bringing these perspectives together is important. And what we do in the research project, why, why I mentioned that is that we then also, you know, we have different, we have um, five PhDs working in there with different perspectives. So one PhD is looking into this one specific problem solution oriented seminar where we say we have a very specific setting because we think that this setting will help very much in terms of competence development. We also have another PhD student looking on the macro level what is happening in the curriculum and she is following the same, partly the same students who are in that specific seminar through a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. So she's doing really intense single case studies capturing not only what learning experiences in seminar the student is going through but also what is happening around. 
you know, what is he, he or she doing in NGO work or on the holidays, you know, or what is going on in private life. So to make more sense of the relation between formal learning settings we, we offer them and the overall learning process they have if they go through a master program. Yeah, I see. So it's trying, trying to track that, that learning component. Exactly. 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 We want to better understand you know, what, what the role of different seminars is in there, mm -hmm. but also what other aspects are important. But then I assume, I mean, I guess that kind of research is, is really important then to, to inform, ideally to inform policy making, mm -hmm. to inform whether it is here or within the state or nationally in Germany. Um, I think there is a big, in, in this specific case, there is quite a lot of potential in, in ideally fleshing out some really interesting learning components. Um, how, how does your research specifically looking at education for sustainable development does that? Because I guess you, you, the, the process of research comes up with a set of really specific, I guess, characteristics. Um, how, how does your work then, or does your work translate then those characteristics into specific policy recommendations, or does your work stop there, stop at the analysis? Well, the research part stops at the analysis, but um, obviously, I mean, this probably like most of the researchers that are in this area, we do have an additional agenda as well. And I think um, if you look into sort of the history of ESD and ESD research, I mean, this is a really uh, still evolving and young area of, of research. I mean, the first sort of case study started in the mid to late 90s. So this is a relatively young field. And we started with, you know, describing and then analyzing certain case studies and getting a first idea and developing new methods um, that first more influenced really the practice in the field. So here there was the, we tried to produce results that can be used in changing the practice of formal and informal learning. By now, I think we are going one step further and really seeing we can learn from these examples. We can better get an, an evidence-based um, um, considerations out of that where we see what is context-specific and what works across different contexts. And this um, obviously is something we want to bring into you know policy recommendations and in, in further development of that area here i think um esd is 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 special in some occasions because we do have that top-down interest at the same time esd was very much driven through policy papers and by you know policy ideas and, and, and really a, a top-down... Global so, agenda almost. Yeah. UNESCO an, decade on ESD. Exactly. And, and, and really an agenda where many countries could agree upon and where you know certain instruments like the, the decade for, of education for sustainable development and the UNESCO work came into play as well. So there was this sort of um, top-down support and willingness you know to to push in that direction 
and and so they they have been an environment where they waited or still do wait for such recommendations. So it is not that difficult as it sometimes is in other other areas to really spread the word about that. Mm -hmm. What really hopefully now brings us to a next step is that we can really prove our recommendations and not only on single case studies anymore, right. but that we better understand, you know, what sort of teaching and learning, for example, brings really what sort of effect. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the next important step to bring it from a, you know, some people are doing some good work in some areas into a, we know how we can um, use that and how um, ESD really can support a general quality improvement in education. Mm -hmm. Because if you look into the outside of those who really want to engage in there, into what happens in, in, in the educational sector right at the moment, there are so many pressure points mm -hmm. for those who are in practice. You know, this is the the increasing diversity of learners, you know, um, in Germany we have a huge agenda uh, around inclusion and how we can, you know, better integrate um, learners with different needs into settings. So on teachers, on all different levels, is a, is a huge pressure. Yeah. So if you want to introduce something relatively new, like education for sustainable development, you first and foremost need to be able to answer that question what is in it for me you know so how how can we make that something that helps a teacher and not only brings a new burden mm -hmm. and this is when it comes to implementation this is a totally crucial point and this is something we are in very very uh, strong discussions and, and um, with um, policy makers and decision makers because we need to prove that point and, and one way is that we can see and i think by now by evidence we can prove that integrating education for sustainable development as a perspective is a, a um, contribution in terms of quality improvement in education as such. Great. So there's a, there's a strong, um, I guess, reasoning behind mm -hmm. driving um, education for sustainable development at the, at the national level. Um, uh, I want to I want to go um, to something that you mentioned earlier. I think um, I mean ESD per se has, um, as I understand it, has has quite a, a short history, um, complemented also by a history of education and a history of sustainable development, um, and there has been a buzzword floating around. What buzzword? There's been this uh, this term of uh, going from. Uh, single disciplines to go in multidisciplinary, uh, where we start looking at the perspective in different fields. Then going to uh, interdisciplinary, trying to mix research methods and, and approaches. And, and now we talk a lot about transdisciplinary. Um, how is that relevant in your work? Does, does, that, come, um, does that come up as one of, I guess, one of the research approaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is this is really crucial, and uh, I, I can explain that on two different levels. I think when we when we look into the competencies um, that um, people need to develop, you know, to being able to actively pass, participate, then the concept of transdisciplinarity is clearly at hand. 
because then it is about you now bringing together the knowledge of different disciplines to be able to contribute to the solution in of, of messy complex ill-defined problems so this is this is one aspect the interdisciplinary part but if people want to actively um, participate in decision making that it is with very different stakeholders and they need to learn how to engage with these different views and perspectives so there is a need to have that sort of transdisciplinary setting anyway the other important approach for me is that if we want to make education for sustainable development something meaningful then we have to do that in a transdisciplinary approach and I can give you a very easy example um, when you look at what we do in teacher education here at Leuphana. We started very early, we started with educating our primary education teachers in education for sustainable development. So we, we, we got acknowledged for that years ago and we have a curriculum that is really streamlined towards education for sustainable development. If you know that, so that we have like, we have around 80 students every year, so we have like 80 alumni, or make it 75 alumni going out every year, who went through a curriculum that is towards education for sustainable development. So we, we, we taught them everything, what we think is important to be out there. If you then know that primary education students go out very closely to where they've been educated, so they, not, they do not spread out over whole Germany or something, they are around Lüdeburg. Make it a 50 to 70k radius. So they are in schools there. 75 per year go out there. So after 10 years you would expect that if you are looking for places where you can really see something very different, it should be around Lüneburg. If we are honest to ourselves, this is only partly the case. So something happens in between. And obviously, and in terms of dissemination research and from teacher research, we know what is happening. You know, people are going into the, they experience that theory practice gap. So on the, on the job, they learn, you know, how to survive in a school and what is happening in school normally. And they, to a certain extent, they lose that sort of innovation or innovative ideas they bring to school. Because they, you know, they, they are the, the new kids on the block and, you know, they need to find their way within their colleagues. So here for us, the idea of transdisciplinarity becomes so important. Because what I did when I started um, um, teaching um, teacher students here four years ago is that I said, we need to create learning settings that are transdisciplinary from the very beginning so that our students do not only learn on a theoretical level how ESD could be done, that they do not learn only what is happening in the classroom, that they close the door in, in their teacher-student um, interaction, but they, they learn also to implement that in different settings. So we do in our education truly transdisciplinary seminars where we invite schools to approach us with their questions 
within the perspective of education and sustainable development. So how to integrate such a concept, for example, by um, creating a project week. It's something we did just recently. So the, the school has a project week. They are not satisfied the way it is done. Um, they do engage with some African culture and this is interesting for students, but then all sort of other things happen and they are not satisfied with that. They want to have something different. So they bring their question of how could we use such a project week to truly um, do education for sustainable development and to, to foster empathy and the, um, the ability to change perspectives with our students. Mm -hmm. And that is the question that comes from a school and where our students work on. And they work in, in real collaboration with them. So they do, for example, not only present the, their, their results of uh, what they are doing in the seminar to us, but they go to the school and present it for the board of all the teachers. Mm -hmm. And then they get a very honest, sometimes not so nice, sometimes nice feedback from these teachers. And then they get the check of what do I have to think about if I do not only want to make that my project week and my ideal scenario, but something that actually works in school with all the contradictions you might see there. Mm -hmm. And so we, we really try to, um, to create these transdisciplinary settings because, and this is where our research comes into play again, we see what is happening is that students get a completely different perception of what they can do what they need to learn and how they can contribute to change. And they get more resilient in terms of, and they find new strategies in terms of how can I, you know, collaborate with others? How can I make, um, how can I make um, sort of settings where, where others really want to um, push for the same ideas? How do I deal with, you know, uh, resistance from others? How can I, create coalitions that really help me to, to push the agenda yeah, here. So, so in a way also a big focus on those interpersonal skills yeah. and those soft skills, maybe not, not as hard at all, not in the sense of understanding um, really mathematics early or having really knowledge-based skills. Exactly, this is for us and this is a tremendous change in, in our perspective on what we need to uh, focus on in teacher education because usually you often especially with disciplines as you mentioned them, you have a, a distinction between content knowledge and pedagogical content knowledge. These are the two parts people are focusing on. So you need to know your stuff, you need to know your mathematics and you can translate it. You need to have an understanding about sustainable development, the challenges, true, and this needs to be there. This is the foundation. Then you also need to how to teach that stuff. So this is where the pedagogies of ESD come into play. But then we realized that still isn't enough. There is something around that. And we, 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 we now have sort of this theoretical foundation. We have such a framework of what does a competence model of an ESD teacher looks like. And then there comes more. There comes knowledge about how do you change um, an institution, soft skills or your interpersonal skills, as you mentioned them. Um, the idea of you know how can you use informal learning settings? How can you involve other stakeholders? So they come really 
sort of different sort of expertise that is needed as well. And we try to focus and, and, and incorporate that already in the, in the um, teacher education programs to better equip our students before they go out to keep their ideas and, and, and their enthusiasm and really translate it in something that is realistic and that really can contribute to change in, in, in the practice field as well. Um, one last question, which I guess relates more to the overall aim of this podcast. Um, we want to look at research and how research can inform, can better prepare, can better understand the challenges that we face in the 21st century. Um, how, how can research be a partner in understanding those changes that we are actually will go through or are going through at the moment? I think the, the important issue here for, for research is really um, that, and that makes it what, what is specific in, in sustainability science, which we often describe or see as a sort of a third way of, of research, you know, between, um, between more basic research and uh, applied research, where we say, uh, sustainability science is something that um, is, is often framed or labeled as use-inspired basic research. So it's really taking these challenges in society and trying to be able to, um, to contribute in the process of producing solutions. But with what makes research and academia specific and is the strength in here is really having an, an analytical perspective and bringing evidence to the case. So not only pushing an agenda because we think this is needed or this is good, but really um, doing proper research on different options for solutions and different um, processes of, of development and, and seeing what actually works and what might work not so good. And I think this brings two parts. This brings, you know, brings us back to the basic research um, aspect. So we need to produce that evidence in a, in a systematic and clear way and very robust knowledge on that side. But it also has these use inspired. Use inspired also means sort of an obligation for you in your role as a researcher with the tremendous societal challenges we see right at the moment. So there, for me, there is, and for us in our faculty, I think this is what combines us and, and drives us, is that we see the obligation to contribute to solving these, these, these problems or to at least tackle these challenges. And this means that we can't stop with, you know, producing a nice paper that is describing our hopefully robust research, but also needs to look into different and other and alternative ways of engaging and communicating with the society. You know, so we're constantly you know, asking ourselves exactly the question, what is the best way to really spread the word of the research where we see a contribution? How can we use that knowledge of better understanding processes of sustainability transformation to make the transformation actually see happen? Yeah. So this, yeah. yeah, so it's it's communication, but communication a bit of a different meaning towards, because my 
elderly colleagues would argue, well, communication is what we did all the time. We went to conferences, we had these papers, and when we are invited from politicians or from a broader audience, we do our talks. But it's not that much, you know, the idea of knowledge transfer anymore, but it's really of, you know, how to, in a transdisciplinary understanding, from the very beginning in a two-way communication engage with society. Better understanding what is the question at heart, you know, what are useful or um, potentially useful um, approaches um, to address these, these questions and challenges and how can we make use out of the results that we get. You just heard Jesse Skrager in conversation with Matthias Barth, Professor of Education and Sustainable Development at Lufthansa University in Lüneburg, Germany. We will continue this conversation on education for sustainable development next episode when we talk to The Collaboratory. The Collaboratory is an initiative hosted by SET where students are in the driver's seat and are mobilizing innovation in research and higher education. The past few months they have completed a student-led conference and designed an eight-week innovation course. So tune in next time to hear about their experiences. I've been Jude Dalscore and you've been listening to SET Climate Talks, coming to you from SET, the Centre of Climate and Energy Transformation at the University of Bergen. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>